0: Should we embrace unlicensed cards? We may be forced to with unlicensed football cards this fall and beyond, but what place do unlicensed cards have in the hobby overall? Could they actually be the future? We'll debate now. Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to another episode of Cards on the Table. And gentlemen, we got We got to do this one quickly today because my Florida Gators are kicking off the college football season here in just a couple of hours. But first, we got we got some important topics to dive into today, T-Pod and Doug. The first of which is about unlicensed cards, and this may be becoming more and more of a reality for us. The NFL and the NFLPA's license to manufacture football cards seems to be in serious flux right now. There's the possibility that Panini may be stopping to make football cards in the near future, and Tops and Fanatics may not be able to make licensed football cards possibly for the next few years. But there are other manufacturers like Leaf that have been making unlicensed cards for some time. Now, on this show in the past, we have pushed back on unlicensed cards, some in the past, but do we now need to just accept that maybe this actually is the future? If it's going to happen with football anyway, do we need to get un? Do we need to get comfortable? I should say, with the place of unlicensed cards in the sports card hobby. Doug, we're going to start with you on this topic now.
1: Well, if you don't already, it's probably time to learn to love unlicensed product. Um, unfortunately, it looks pretty possible that we're not going to get licensed football for this upcoming class. Um, And it couldn't come at a worse time, really. I'm not sure that there's a good time for something like this to happen, but we're, you know, in the past year or so, I think it's been fairly clear that football has kind of taken the top place in the hobby, right? Right. When we came back from uh, the COVID boom, it was kind of basketball, I felt like, was the top 100%. dog. Football's moved ahead and I agree. Eyes. And now it's we're shift. going to go a year, maybe more, possibly, without licensed product. I think that's terrible. Um, and I don't know what that does for collectors because not everybody is going to just seamlessly make a transition to collegiate products or unlicensed products. Some people aren't going to do that at all. And how long are they going to wait until they can get licensed product again? We could lose collectors during this period of time, and that would be awful. But, you know, again, there's no good time for this to happen. Uh, This could, in the interim, help propel unlicensed cards. We could see, you know, some Bowman uh, stuff kind of take center stage or the last era of PRISM draft picks uh, be a little bit more valuable than they had been. But overall, I don't, you know, not looking great.
0: Yeah, and, and some of those cards, like some of the Bowman cards and PRISM graphics cards, are now actually being licensed by the colleges. Yeah. They're able to use college logos. That wasn't the case in the past. Certainly, you've got manufacturers like Leaf that have built a whole big business on unlicensed cards. And, and Brian Gray, no longer with Leaf, but when he was, would passionately make the argument and, and did so on the Jeff Wilson show recently that that you know these cards are every bit as good and, many, and in many ways better because you get more value because you're not having to pay all that money for the licensing. And, and, and just to clarify for the audience who's not quite sure what an unlicensed card is, we're talking about cards that feature the player, but don't have a team logo, don't have a team name, and, and therefore don't show their team uniform either. Uh, so you know, they're, they're referred to now as, I guess, pajama cards because the players are airbrushed, the, uh, you know, the uniforms airbrushed, the logos airbrushed, so it looks like they're wearing pajamas. For somebody who is like a team collector, if you, if you love to collect the Braves, for example, or, or yeah. in your case, your Detroit team, I do like the Braves. Does, it, does this make a difference to not have the Lions logo on a card. to not have the Lions logo on, the, on Jared Goff's jersey? Does that make that card less collectible for you? Yeah. Well, I'm
2: sitting here picturing Doug with no logos and just a black hat and a blue shirt, and I like him less. That That's way. what happened on and our, our I, I, I lecture. And, like and I'm looking that, at you I, wearing just a black shirt and wondering, where's your Market Movers logo? I'd like you a little more. I am
0: currently unlicensed.
2: So you are currently unlicensed. Great example. Uh, look, I'm not opposed to unlicensed cards, actually. And I'm definitely not somebody who likes to criticize what others like to collect. They've demonstrated there's a market for it. Leaf's been very successful in what they do. Maybe not as big into the scale of the other licensed companies, but they've carved out a niche. And some people really like those products. I will say one thing. Some of their products look fantastic. I think the other manufacturers could take a page out of Leaf's book and look at those, not to mention some of the really good autographs and game-worn memorabilia that they get, sometimes with multiple cards, those Leaf Pearl cards and things, they can be really cool. I just personally haven't gravitated toward them because I like the teams and I wanna see the logo. We pay extra money to get a hat with, you know, our favorite team on the hat as opposed to just a regular hat. And I think there's something to that. And then I think a long-term staying power there's so many, or historically has been, so many licensed cards. Why would I buy an unlicensed card that has even more probability to go down, just like most modern cards tend to typically go down over time?
0: Yeah, no, these are all fair points. I mean, I think it is hard for the team collector. I think it is hard, you know, to, to root for your favorite team, to, you know, here in Atlanta, the Braves are hot and collecting Braves cards, yet if they don't have the Braves logo on them, it, 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 it loses a little something for yeah. me. So I hope they figure this out, but the truth is we may be seeing unlicensed cards in football yeah. for the next couple of seasons, potentially, unless some of this stuff can get figured out. So hopefully hopefully, people love just the spirit of collecting and collecting the players so much that we as a hobby can get past that and embrace unlicensed cards a little bit more if that is, in fact, our future. Well, one thing I do know that is, in fact, in my future, Doug, is a Derrick Henry printing plate one of one Ooh. auto from 2018 Rookies and Stars because that card is for sale right now on pristineauction.com and I have my eye on it because I think that I think that Derrick Henry is perhaps the most underrated yes. player in the NFL. He's so dominant but people just don't give the running backs any love or respect
1: anymore. Who do you have your eye on? I like that I like that claim by the way. He is one of the most underrated Football players in the entire hobby. I'm looking at a 2022 Bowman Sterling Ellie De La Cruz. Ooh, auto. you're going baseball, Doug. Yeah, there's like one baseball player I know the name of, and it's that guy. <laughs> and I'm I'm desperate to get some of that before you know he's out of my range, like Otani has been. Um, PSA 10 on card auto. Can't go wrong. I mean, he's, he did a great,
0: great throw the other night. He got Corbin Carroll going home. That was awesome. Who do you have your eye on? If you can't get licensed
2: cards, you can always go back to the 90s to license <laughs> cards. And Kobe Bryant's best rookie card, which is not his Topps Chrome, it's his finest. It's that gold Airs. This one's the base version. Mm-hmm. It's raw. Awesome card. I have the refractor, as you know. This yeah. one's well-centered peel off. Might have to pair it with my refractor.
0: Those, those are beautiful cards, and all of those are available for auction right now on pristineauction.com. And if you use... Promo code SCI, when you register at pristineauction.com, you're going to get $10 free in your new account to use towards any of these cards currently at auction or any more of the thousands of other cards at pristineauction.com. Promo code SCI. All right, Teapot, for our next topic, we got to talk about your data dive video on the Market Movers channel this last week, and it was kind of sobering. I mean, you went, you, you tackled... You tackled what has happened in the modern baseball card market over the last few weeks, specifically with Wander Franco's cards, with Shohei Otani's cards. For very different reasons, both of these players have seen their cards tumble. And in fact, when I did the top five earlier this week, the the market pulse showed that the category of cards that by far has fallen the most over the last 30 days is ultra modern baseball cards from 2018 to 2020. Well, it's no surprise why, that includes Wander franco's first bowman cards that includes shohei otani's rookie cards that whole category of cards right now is down big talk to us about what you saw and what it means for collectors
2: short and not so sweet on this video it was like a five minute video but i just wanted to dive in and say look this is just one of those pump the brakes moments for everybody to look and go you know be careful now i said it in videos from the last month and earlier this year i went heavily into shohei otani this year because i knew He had a lot of upside. Unicorn level upside, right? And it paid off for me. I actually sold all of my Otani cards except for a couple for my PC before this happened. Now, here's what I thought was funny. The comments actually surprised me. How many people had like 125 comments and half of them were saying this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Otani never pitches again. He's still an incredible hitter. It does matter. The whole reason we've been talking about Otani is because he's pitching and hitting doing something that nobody's ever done. That's what makes it so special. He has a 10 war this season. 4.1 of that is from his pitching. He's a, he's a front runner for Cy Young in addition to the MVP. If he doesn't pitch anymore, MVP voting heavily leans into your total war, your overall performance, your defense. Does this mean he's just gonna DH for the rest of his career? There are a lot of good hitters. Otani's only finished twice now, this year will be one and once a few years ago, in the top 10 in OPS plus in the majors. He's a great hitter. But can he do it year over year? Everybody said Babe Ruth only hit for a pitch for five years. Well, Babe Ruth averaged like 46 home runs for like 16 seasons. That's something that I don't know if Otani could do. He's 29 right now. He's got a long way to go for that. I think this does impact his long-term value. I also think he'd be in the Hall of Fame today if his career ended because of what he's been able to accomplish. But I love the guy. I'm rooting for him. You just got to be careful when it comes to injuries.
0: Doug, as you're seeing these stories, I know you're not a Wander Franco or or Shohei Otani collector, but you're a big collector of a lot of young up-and-coming basketball stars, young up-and-coming football stars. Does this give you any pause? Does this cause you to rethink your collecting strategy at all?
1: Not really. I mean, there's always that inherent risk when we're talking about ultra-modern or any current player that hasn't done what he needs to do to kind of cement his legacy, right? But I kind of see where the commenters are coming from on your video. I sort of feel like, because of what Shohei has already accomplished and the fact that he has such world mass appeal, that he's got a really high floor compared to any other current player or ultra-modern prospect, where if this injury does keep him from ever pitching again, I think that he doesn't, you know, his, we don't see that those card prices plummet.
2: People said the same about Judge last year, and his cards are way down because of the injury.
1: Yeah, the injury, the injury matters, but he was only a hitter ever, Judge. Now, what Shohei has done... You know, it's kind of undisputable that what he's done, we may never see again. We may never see someone who can dominate on both sides of the ball like that in baseball. So I think what he's done already is enough to sort of keep him propped up at a certain level that he's just not going to dip below. And for that reason, I think, you know, I I enjoy seeing the dip. This is a good opportunity for someone like myself who desperately, you know, I just said it, desperately wants Otani, but haven't been able to get my hands on any.
0: It's interesting. I mean, obviously very different situations between Otani and Wander Franco. And I, I, while the Otani situation with the injury is something you really have to worry about when you invest in you know ultra modern players, the Wander Franco situation. I mean, you're you're not totally out of the woods investing in retired Hall of Fame players right. either. You know, it's there's there can be situations where they do something stupid yeah. uh, that affects the, you know their personal life and their reputation. I mean, we've seen it happen before. I mean, you know, there's probably there were probably you know, people with stockpiles of O.J. Simpson cards at some point in time, and those quickly became valueless as things happened. That, and that all took place well after his playing career, right? And there's other athletes who have served that as well. So, I mean, there's some risk in investing in any type of card. You know, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you're best off with the dead players. Maybe, that, maybe that's where you have to go if you want safety and security these days. But it's part, it's part of the game. It's part of the game, and that's, you know, the risk that you take. So, anyway. All right. All right. You guys good? I'm good. <laughs> you guys good? You're not, you're not liking my dead
1: players argument here? I just Are feel you, like we've, we've talked about
2: like crooks and oil that, riggers in the past. That, or I don't know.
0: Whatever. We've yeah. talked
1: about vintage before, and you called them womanizers and bank robbers. I mean, some of them were. Some of them were.
0: I don't know. All right, guys. We've got more great topics to discuss. We'll be right back. was the snazzy new Market Movers added for good reason, because it's promoting our brand new sales history feature. You can look up any card, limitless data. Go check it out right now. Go to sportscardinvestor.com, click Market Movers in the main menu bar, or download the Market Movers app from the App Store on your phone. Okay, guys, the next topic, very timely, college football kicking off tonight with my Gators. There were some games last weekend in week zero as well, but the question... The Notre Dame, you know, they did already. That was a good start to their season. Actually, they look real. Um, But the question here is college football products. We've seen a bit of a resurgence of these recently. You know, Tops uh, brought Bowman U to college football, and then this past Bowman U, it was actually licensed with the college jerseys and everything like that, which was I thought I thought super cool. You've obviously got Prism draft picks as well, and you're seeing you know college uh, players in those products. So they're They're pushing these college cards more than ever now in football, as well as other sports. Doug, is this stuff collectible? Is this stuff investable? Do you think there is growth potential in the college sports card market?
1: Well, now we're kind of in a sort of a gray area here, right? Because a lot of this is going to have to do with what happens with NFL product. If we don't have licensed NFL product for the next year or maybe more, and we do have licensed collegiate product, that will give it a window where it is more desirable. I don't know that that's long-term, though. I don't know that I, that has staying power necessarily. Um, having licensed collegiate product has helped that in general, and, but I think we'll see an additional bump. If that's the only Caleb Williams card you can get, he's got a great color blast and like the new, the new Prism draft picks product. Things like that, they'll have a short period of time where if that's all you can really get your hands on for that, these upcoming players, these up, upcoming quarterbacks, they will see elevated prices but I think it'll kind of come back down to earth whenever the license stuff for NFL comes back so uh, it's good for collectors it has some investability and it's going to have this short window but outside of that I don't think this is a big swing
0: I mean there's enough college football fans in this country college football is a big deal and you know I'm excited about getting all the Gator players and uh, I mean, Tim, Tim, Tim Tebow even has a color, color blast, blast coming out here in this new Prism Draft Picks, which I'm pretty excited so about. So does Will Levis. Uh, there you go, and Anthony Richardson as well. Uh, two Gators in the product. Excited about that, but I I, I think it's exciting, right? I, I I find it fun. I was talking to uh, the owners of Underdog Collectibles. They're a sports card shop in Tennessee, and they were talking about how, like how University of Tennessee. Cards and players do really well there. So, of course, they're happy that these products exist and that they can now tie them in with the University of Tennessee stars and that type of thing. What are your thoughts on this, Tepod?
2: Well, college definitely has die-hard fans. Ryan Card Collector 2 talks about how great Ohio State stuff does. That's a big part of his PC, I know. College fans are diehard, and some of the biggest schools have just as many, or in some cases more. I think Ohio State is estimated to have the biggest fan base, which is pretty remarkable. So. It all comes down to who the players are in some of these products. There are 133 division one schools. That's the big difference between the NFL. And I think part of the other thing is just don't oversaturate the market with a bunch of different football products for collegiate, right? I would say keep it to a select few. Don't suddenly have a Bowman Chrome Cosmic and a Bowman Chrome this and a Bowman, totally diluting everything like they've done with other products. Keep it simple, stupid. Let it be the, the cool products, I like what they're doing. I think college has
0: a, a big place in sports cards. I'll, I'll keep buying, I'll keep collecting. I actually do like the fact that it's also a lot cheaper yeah, a lot to cheaper. buy the college products and the ProPop yeah, products, it but it's still a fun rip. They're it the is. same kind of cool card designs and you can still get all the numbered cards and parallels yep. of a lot of big name guys, but it's a lot cheaper of a rip. So I, I enjoy opening them with my son for that reason as well, because we can, you know, buying a stack of hobby boxes is a little more reasonable than trying to go get the NFL products. All right. this next story has been circulating around social and I gotta say, this type of thing happens. This story in particular was a collector who had a PSA 5 Trevor Lawrence card, cracked it, submitted it to BGS, and BGS gave it a BGS 10 pristine. Now that sounds a little crazy, but I have a personal experience that I told you guys about a few weeks ago where I had a PSA 6 Trevor Lawrence card Cracked it. Resubmitted it to PSA. It got a PSA 10. <laughs> How does this happen? How does that happen? And and what does it what does it mean? You know, for 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 grading. Grading is such a big part of the sports card hobby, but there is undeniably subjectivity to it. What does this all mean, T-Pop?
2: It means tag. You're it. <laughs> and I'm talking about automated grading. Subjective yeah. human grading. Is super flawed and here's the thing as these companies have had to scale and get bigger faster operational receiving opening new warehouses and having more graders you're just gonna have more and more and more inconsistency if you go from a hundred graders to a thousand graders trying to crank through all this stuff the odds that you get somebody who knows less what they're doing or has had a bad day or has had some problem and almost certainly that card when you crack and resubmit it isn't going to the same grader. It's going to somebody new on a different day. So you see these swings. But these huge, huge stuff that we've been seeing on social media recently, I don't know if it's just sort of getting thrust more into into the spotlight than it has historically, but it is a huge problem. And here's the thing, we get told by all the grading companies, and we're, you know, we're friendly with Nat, with Peter, with all these guys. I'm not dunking on grading. I like grading. I think it's important. But we get told with kind of a, a lot of confidence on their part, That 95% plus of cards, if they were to get cracked and resubbed, would get the same exact grade. And that is definitely not true. People are making a killing. Doug's done it. You've done it. People have done it. Submitting cards from one grading company to another, or even in some cases, just a 9 and getting a 10 bump in PSA. And it happens all the time. And for me, more and more, it drives me crazy that the most minute differences that we can't see with the human eye, are what we're paying multiples over for a card because some subjective person on a Tuesday at three in the afternoon who's tired said it's a better card than what it might actually be.
0: I mean, it is a little crazy when you think about it it's in those nuts. terms. But the hobby is kind of all built and focused around this, right? And and I mean, I'm a big grader. I love grading I love grading my cards. so I'm buying into the system even though I agree that the system has flaws. What are your thoughts,
1: Doug? I hate that I'm about to defend these grading companies here, but this is going to happen. I mean, PSA grades over a million cards a month. They're going to make mistakes. If you do anything a million times, some of those you're going to screw up. Yep. And this is no exception. But we only hear about the mistakes. Yeah. You're not, no one's going to post, I thought this was a 10 and it was a 10. Like No one cares about that. It's not going to make headlines, but this will. So we're only going to hear about the bad stuff that happens. You know, And we don't even know who's at fault with this sp- specific instance. Did PSA see a phantom scratch that took it down to a PSA 5 did BGS miss something really obvious we don't know and that probably you know is the bigger issue the transparency of this all right because there's no transparency we don't know why PSA decided that was a 5 originally we don't know uh, you know with BGS there's subgrades so you can tell kind of where they're thinking the card is flawed but something like tag is probably a step in the right direction where they actually show you a scan of the card highlighting the imperfections that led or lack thereof that led to its grade Um, but even that is probably going to mess up sometimes
0: i'm sure we don't quite you know we don't quite know how good that tech actually is at this point and i know they've been doing a lot with it i mean these are all excellent points dog i mean i I love the transparency piece so it would be nice if when you got a card back from a grading company like psa there was some some indication as to why they graded it what they did that would actually be nice and help this quite a bit. But I also recognize they're grading a million cards a month and it's it's a lot of it, notes to have to write. And it and takes
1: three times as long and it's probably it's, more expensive and yeah. yeah. Today
2: I learned Doug has applications in with the grading companies for PR. <laughs> He's trying
0: to get them on the show as well. I'm sponsors. the director partnership. That's guy. right. That's right. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, please go check out Market Movers. Subscribing to Market Movers is a great way to support our show, and you're going to love it. With this new sales history feature, it's awesome. Go to sportscardinvestor.com, click Market Movers in the main menu bar, or download the Market Movers app on your phone, and give our show a like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Take care.